you have your L1 and your L2. Yes. So take us through the process of how to get your L1 mm -hmm. and then the L2. So pretty much anyone can go get their L1, whether they want to coach or not, whether you've ever done CrossFit before or not. There were people in my L1 that just seemed like they came across it online and wanted to be there. Um, but usually they're a Saturday, Sunday session, um, about eight hours of like movement coaching, um, fundamentals of CrossFit, some classroom style, like nutrition type stuff. And then you break out into groups and you're learning the foundational movements. So the L1 is more focused on the, the movements and the L2 is more focused on actually coaching a class. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So L1, you do the seminar and you have to pass a written, not, or not written, multiple choice test at the end. Um, the L2, if you complete the seminar, mm -hmm. you pass. Unless you like really, really bomb, you have to do some like mock coaching during the seminar. Um, okay. They give you feedback on, help you with, um, but there's no actual test at the end. Okay, so L1 is they teach you a bunch of things mm -hmm. in the classroom. And then you take an exam. Mm -hmm. And then the L2 is <clears throat> same amount of time? It's like day or yeah, two? Yeah, it's, it's a weekend. Uh, weekend. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday usually. And they're run, I mean, you can look it up. They're run all, all across the country. Like, mm -hmm. there's probably two or three in Orlando each year. Um, but yeah. And that one, that one, they teach you how to coach. Yes, they teach you how to give tactical cues, okay. how to give verbal cues, how to run a class efficiently within that hour time frame, mm -hmm. um, and how to take that you know micro approach with an individual athlete and then take it macro to address the whole class and then really zone I in see. on one athlete and make sure everyone in the class has a good coaching experience. Got it. So like if you see something that someone's doing wrong, mm -hmm. you address them, but then mm -hmm. you can extrapolate that to everyone. Yeah. You can announce the class like, hey, also, if you're Yeah, but also how way. to have the class continue working. Like, just, I'll use like a snatch warm up. You have mm -hmm. someone who's on their first day. They need a little bit more attention. So you'll tell the class, hey, do, you know, five power snatches, five squat snatches. And then during that time, you are addressing that athlete that might need a little bit more attention. So you keep them... The other class, yeah. the other people in the class busy. Yeah. Or you can yeah. kind of quickly go over there and yeah. teach no them some stuff. Yeah, no one's standing around Got for it. too long. Okay. Yeah. And that isn't, there's no exam after mm -hmm. that, but is there like, you said there's a mock situation where they're like, okay, here's mm -hmm. a class, try to coach it. Yeah, so I think it's on the second day. So Sunday afternoon, everyone gets one of the foundational movements. So you might be coaching the air squat, the overhead squat, mm -hmm. the med ball clean, um, push press, things like that. And you have to coach a group of, I think, seven or eight people. And your instructor watches and gives you tips on, you know, how to address what's, you know, what's Taylor doing wrong? What, what did you miss? How could you have, you know, addressed this issue mm -hmm. while still keeping the flow of the class? Gotcha. And they're just recording all this stuff. And then they use their best judgment to see if you pass. I don't, I've never heard of, Someone, someone failing. failing, you just kind of get an email like a week or two later that's like, here's your certificate. Gotcha. So as long um, as you're trying. Yeah, you're, you're actively of... participating and you're 
engaging in their mm. lessons, I think you're pretty good to go. Don't quote me on that, but there I is no like test. You <laughs> have to be really, really bad. Exactly. In order for them to be like, hey, you need to do this again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So what got you on your CrossFit journey? Actually, how'd you get into CrossFit? Yeah. So um, I was a competitive swimmer for... I want to say 15 years. So from the age of like, you know, seven or eight up until I was 22 and graduated college. Um, and my junior year of college, I was living with a friend who had graduated the year prior. So she was not swimming anymore and she found CrossFit. When my season was over, I joined her and a couple classes and the kind of went from there. When I went home for the summer, I sought out a CrossFit gym in New York, used that as my summer training and then, you know, completed my senior season as usual and kind of picked up CrossFit After at that. the end. Yeah. And so I got into lifting. I never lifted swimming through high school and even before, but we were doing power lifts as part of training. And then mm -hmm. I was a sprinter. So we were doing clean and jerks and realized how much I enjoyed that and mm -hmm. that it was, you know, a fundamental part of CrossFit and kind of like ignited my love for the barbell, really. Nice. I feel like that's everyone's favorite thing in CrossFit is it's... always the Olympic lifts. Everyone looks forward to those days. I yeah, like. it's one of my favorite things. I mean, it's very empowering to mm -hmm. be able to do that, especially like a snatch is such a difficult movement and to you know do that on a regular basis i think is pretty impressive yeah so i pr'd my snatch mm -hmm. during this past week that we were shooting for one rep maxes mm -hmm. and i have to tell you that that pr felt that snatch felt so good that particular one i was there yes that's right <laughs> i was coaching it went up easy mm -hmm. and i caught that thing it felt easier than like doing my snatch at 135 that same day. Mm -hmm. Like everything just flowed good mm -hmm. and I caught it perfectly in the right spot, not too low, not too high, in perfect alignment mm -hmm. with my balance at the where I was. And then it just stood up really quick. Yeah. But it did not feel like 185. And I know the feeling now. Yeah. Like I know the feeling of catching something perfect. Yeah. And it just making you feel awesome. Yeah. Also, I was really hyped. And thank you to Sam because he was. <laughs> I would not have even thrown that weight on there. Yeah. Nor was I even feeling any any hype behind yeah. it, but he hyped me up. So sometimes you'll surprise yourself. Yeah. So okay. Um, what's your favorite movement, actually? Um, I really love. I do love a clean and jerk, but I would say one of my favorites is the ring muscle up. I think it took me a long time to get to be proficient at them, and I think. Part of it is being really proud of the work I've put in. I will say you have some of the best <laughs> ring muscle-ups because you're able to keep your feet mm -hmm. perfectly together. And what you do that I am trying to learn how to do is I have more than enough strength to get up mm -hmm. there. But when you come down and you kind of push out mm -hmm. and get that second swing, you almost you look like a swan i don't even know what to say you're just like this it's um, and you're all loaded up to get yourself right back up there yeah whereas i just come down and i hit a rock i and think then I have it's to a shoulder mobility thing i mean knowing you i know that 
yeah, mobility is an issue. So, like I said, I, I was a swimmer, so I have swimmer shoulders. I have the mobility to get into that back hip okay. really easily, easier than mm-hmm. most. And you're just locked and loaded <laughs> to get shoot right back up there. Yeah. So, and what got you into coaching? Like, so you started CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Um, your friend got you in. You started loving to lift. Mm-hmm. What got you into wanting to coach? Yeah, so I came to Subu in 2017. Um, loved the workouts, loved the community, met some amazing people, um, and started trying to be competitive in CrossFit. I think, I want to say 2019, maybe late 2018. And I, at the time, I was working in retail as mm-hmm. well and really not making enough money and you don't really get into CrossFit to make a ton of money but anything to supplement my income at that point was um you know yeah a good was, idea. It was it helped you, yeah so um I started noticing like in the gym people doing things a little like incorrectly and me wanting having that instinct of like I want to help but I'm not technically qualified to help so like I didn't want to like overstep any boundaries so that's where the conversation of you know is there even enough space to like put me on the coaching schedule Mm -hmm. and you know take that on can the gym take on another coach at that point um so I've been on and off but like I've had I think eight or nine classes a week. And then right now I only have two, which I'm fine with. I, I mean, transitioned out of that yeah. retail job. So yeah, that's kind of my coaching journey. So it was seeing, so you became proficient in CrossFit mostly, and you mm-hmm. were starting to see people not doing things correctly and wanting to help them. Yeah. And then being like, hey, I'm pretty good yeah. at this. Let's see if I can uh, yeah, just coach. kind of like that, like instinct of like, "Hey, widen your feet on your squat," and like, maybe yeah. like seeing, like wanting to help them get more proficient in whatever skill they were doing. Awesome! Yeah. I think that's what makes a good coach, though, right? Yeah. Like being able to spot the things, mm-hmm. and then not even being able to spot it. You know, how do you communicate? Communicating yeah. how to fix it to them. Yeah, exactly. Know? And I think that's one thing Subu coaches do very well is they communicate what you're doing wrong mm-hmm. and how you can fix it. And even when you do that, you can tell them something and it's not always <laughs> going to stick the first time. Right. Yeah. And maybe they only pull one thing that you said, but it mm-hmm. helps them improve. And this happened with the clinic yesterday mm-hmm. with Dan. Out of all the things he said, one thing stuck with me that I actually used on one of the lifts mm-hmm. we did. And it helped me tremendously. Yeah. And that was lining up my bar at the end of my shoelaces because before then, I think I had it way too far mm-hmm. out. And he just said that one thing, and then the bar seemed to go straight up easier. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that actually worked. Mm-hmm. So in that two-hour clinic, yeah. I got one thing out of it that's really going to help me from yeah. now on. And mm-hmm. it's you have to make those small changes. You can't, you know, widen your feet, get your shoulders back, pull it to your hip, um, lock out your mm-hmm. elbows all at the same time it's way too much to think about exactly. so you have to perfect one little change and then move on to the next thing you want to yeah. fix like work on doing one thing in during that session mm-hmm. and then as you do it more later on you change another yeah. thing and eventually you'll all it all becomes habit it's yeah. instincts yeah because yeah if you start thinking about 
everything, where my feet are, where yeah. where am I pulling, you know, am I locking everything out? You're just, you're going to mess it up mm -hmm. if you try. And yeah. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. But with the snatch, I've noticed that if I can get a really good pull, mm -hmm. that helps a lot. Yeah. Because I don't have the mobility in my shoulders <laughs> or in my ankles to be able to drop super low. Yeah. So I got to try to bring that thing up as high as possible. Yeah. And then I, then I can kind of get under it. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, that, it, it helps. It yeah. helps. Okay. So what, um, what advice would you give individuals who are interested in starting CrossFit? Like, how do you get people into the sport? Um, or do I you even try? Like, I mean, I'm not, I know we're going to touch on nutrition later. Like, mm. I'm not going to be trying to make someone do something they don't want to do. I'm happy to answer any questions they have about it. I think for someone starting out, obviously it's extremely intimidating. Depending on the workout, when you walk in the door, there could be people swinging from the rings, walking on their hands, um, you know, back squatting heavy. 400 plus pounds. It's very intimidating to walk into a gym and be like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? And I think for those new people who do walk in and, you know, are on that first, second, third class, making them feel comfortable is extremely important and making them feel at ease, um, whether that means scaling the workout down to different movements that are than what's maybe prescribed. Um, but I think one of the main like pieces of advice is like, you're on your own fitness journey and like walking in and seeing those people walking on their hands, whatever. Um, they might've been where you were six, seven years ago, just starting out. Everyone starts somewhere, whatever skill or, you know, you want a new thing you want to learn. You're not going to start out as an expert. There yeah. are people that come from certain sports backgrounds that obviously walk in and just crush it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but everyone starts somewhere, whether you're, you know, learning to cook, learning, you know, to garden or whatever, you're going to fail a couple times. Yeah. A lot, probably. <laughs> and you're not going to be perfect within, mm -hmm. like, just a week. Mm -hmm. You know, because I know Subu gives one week free. Mm -hmm. And I would always tell someone, if I meet them in their first week, I'm like, you get a free week, mm -hmm. but then you need to come more often. Yeah. You know, and eventually you'll see your fitness increase yeah. It's not just going to take a week. Yeah. You know? Like you're not going to be snatching, you know, 150 pounds at the end of week one. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that new person's journey is setting those expectations of like what, like aligning on those expectations, yeah. I would say, of what their fitness journey is going to look like that first mm -hmm. couple months. Yeah. A lot of people that I've talked to that aren't into CrossFit. Mm-hmm. You know, they always are telling me like, oh, CrossFit is dangerous. CrossFit is this. And it has kind of like this bad rap mm -hmm. that I kind of dispel. You know, I'm like, that's probably how it was at the beginning because, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't structured very well yet. But like most gyms nowadays, they prioritize safety. And as mm -hmm. long as you're doing everything with good form and not yeah. pushing yourself beyond a certain limit. And like they have this this idea that CrossFitters are nothing more than just lift heavy weight, sacrifice form, you know, yeah. and I got to try to tell them like, no, it's not that way. I think that all stems down to the coach or the programming as well, because people doing those crappy reps shouldn't be allowed to in the first place. 
you know, you have to be in control of your class. And if someone's rep isn't looking good at a weight that they shouldn't be lifting, you have to nip it in the bud before before they do hurt themselves. It is for their benefit. It's mm-hmm. not because you're trying to be a, an asshole coach. It's because you could seriously injure yourself. And if you're not keeping that an eye on that, that's mm-hmm. it's gonna happen. And that's why CrossFit gets a bad rap is because gyms can program however they want. Whoever owns the gym can you know buy into some other programming, do their own programming. So you look around at some gyms and they're a little biased. Maybe, you know, their owner was a gymnast and they're just killing their members with gymnastics movements mm. every single day. Um, I think that's a little less common now because in order to succeed, you do have to have a balanced program. But I think it got a bad rap because of those crappy gyms and with yeah. crappy coaches who weren't paying attention to their members. Yeah, I would agree. And I always liked working out. And I, I used to do jujitsu and mm-hmm. MMA stuff before then. Yeah, and that community has their ideas about what CrossFitters are. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because my CrossFit friends look at the MMA and jujitsu stuff and like, that's so stupid. Why would you want to hit get hit in the face? Yeah. And then my MMA and CrossFit buddies look back at CrossFit and they're like, that's for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> But I loved CrossFit because I've always enjoyed working out. But what I love about it most is the competitive aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of CrossFitters feel this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do too. You can tell me. But I remember walking into the gym and, and looking over at two particular people and wanting to compete with them. Mm -hmm. And that competitive nature comes out very much in the CrossFit gym. Do you feel that at all? I feel that because I grew up a competitor, but there are plenty of people who are just coming in to get their workout Mm -hmm. and, you know, they'll put their scores on the board, they'll log their weights, but they don't care what place they're in. If they have the star next to their name, Mm -hmm. they don't care. They, some people, they're like, I don't ever want to get a ring muscle up. I don't ever want to, you know, walk on my hands, do a handstand push up, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're just there to get a good workout which is i think is also fine but then you do have those you know competitors that i think as long as it's friendly and not malicious that sense of competition pushes people beyond what they would do if they were doing the workout alone which is what i love about a class do you think you need that competitive nature in crossfit if you want to compete and be a competitor do you think you need that you have to have a certain kind of drive i think um different than like that person walking in on their first day you don't want them to be comparing themselves to everyone in the gym Mm. but if you're trying to actually be competitive you have to look at what your neighbor's doing um doesn't mean that you should be doing it too but Mm -hmm. paying attention to how are other people progressing and using that to build a relationship too and even progress together you become you know teammates in a way um cheer each other on exactly yeah i love that about crossfit because you can compete with someone and want them to do yeah well at the same time exactly and that builds a, a pretty strong mm-hmm. bond in my opinion yeah you know and it gives sure. you a reason to keep showing back yeah. up and yeah. yeah the community aspect of crossfit is 
pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand it until they experience it. Yeah, So for sure. Yeah. So this gets us into another question mm -hmm. that you've talked to me about and that I, you probably think I ignore it and I probably do <laughs> to a certain extent. I know where we're going. But it's no less important. Mm -hmm. um, how should one deal with rest days and when to take time off? Mm -hmm. uh, what, is, what is your opinion or your... Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a big fan of no more than three days in a row for a CrossFit workout, for something that is so potentially high intensity. Um, other, you know, I'm not going to speak to other different forms of working out, com competing, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I just think personally by day four, my body is a little bit wrecked and I'm not going to perform how I want to. So I think I really encourage people to take two rest days a week. It also depends on the individual schedule. Mm -hmm. For me, I usually rest on Thursdays and Sundays. Um, and I think especially if you are going to the gym to get better mm -hmm. and improve your strength and improve your skill rather than just burn a certain amount of calories, the rest days really help you on the recovery front. Gotcha. So you subscribe to the three on one off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like off doesn't mean you're not doing any movement. It just doesn't, it means you're not doing a Metcon yeah. and getting your heart rate into zone five and like laying yeah. on the floor in the puddle of your own sweat. You can still, <laughs> you know, do a yoga class, go for a bike mm. ride. I, I mean, I, usually try and do one yoga class a week, walk my dog every day. I'm still getting some movement. It's just not, there's no weights or, you know, gymnastics, high intensity involved. Do you supplement your CrossFit with something else like yoga or like some other activity um, um, for either recovery or for sup yeah. accessory work, supplemental work? Yeah. So I really love yoga. Um, I usually do a hot power yoga class when I go, um, attempt to do it once a week. It makes me feel good. And I also think it helps with recovery, even though it's a power yoga class, there's, you know, certain muscles that I'm not stretching in the five minute warm up at the gym that get a, some more attention. Um, I will admit I do orange theory every once in a while. Um, what is Orange Theory exactly? I know it's a gym, but is it yeah. also a program? Like so similar in a way to CrossFit, their workouts change every day. So it's half treadmill intervals and then half rower slash weight floor. So they have, you know, endurance days, power days, and uh, I forget what the other one is. Mm -hmm. um, I like it because... I really like the running intervals. Sometimes, in my opinion, the weight floor stuff is kind of bullshit. <laughs> can I curse on here? Yeah, yeah, okay. You can. <laughs> um, but they're like the treadmill intervals, especially like I went yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's like 102 degrees outside. And I got to do my treadmill intervals inside in the air conditioned. And it might sound bougie, but yeah. I loved it. <laughs> so. I think for those types of things, it's 
good, but mm-hmm. I also do it when I travel because the hotel I stay at is right above an Orange Theory. Um, for work, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to hop in. Do you consider it like an active recovery day? No. Or is, no, it is no. a workout day. Counts yeah, it is workout. a workout. Okay. Yeah. So it does Sometimes the times just work better with my schedule. Mm-hmm. Or I hate to admit that sometimes I cherry pick a Subu workout. Yeah. But... I just like that workout better for the day. <laughs> I think I think we all do to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is why like I notice the running or the cardio days usually. That's when Less everyone's people. like, Oh, today's a rest day. Yeah. <laughs> which it's usually the people who are skipping it that probably need it the most. Exactly. Yeah. This is why I make a point to show up on those days. Yeah. Cause I actually really in Enjoy the slow burn mm-hmm. days where it's longer, mm-hmm. but um, where it's a longer workout mm-hmm. and it's just a grind to get through. I think that's what helps with, like for me, my rest days being Thursday and Sunday. I'm I'm usually not cherry picking. It's whatever workouts fall on those days that I'm going. Mm-hmm. Usually there. Um, so it helps me like not because we unlike other gyms get the full week of workouts which is a little bit unique um which allows people to plan ahead and not do things that they should probably be working on (laughs) so so you don't like because i know subu doesn't do this but i know some gyms do is Mm -hmm. they don't post workouts till day of or when you walk into the gym yeah i know a lot of them that's a good idea or not um I don't really have any specific feeling on it. I mm-hmm. like knowing the full week, but I think it also depends on the demographic of your members. Um, and if you feel like they are going to, yeah. like you're going to have running on Tuesday and no one's showing up to class. Um, I don't really have any specific hard feelings on it. It'd be cool to do like a surprise, like, Subu just takes one day mm-hmm. and just on the website just puts surprise. surprise. <laughs> just for fun, just to see. Because I do agree for, for I think, normal day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And, you know, no one's trying to be a CrossFit Games athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plan ahead because people have kids, people have work. Yeah. They want to know what they're going to be doing. I think surprise workouts are better for competitors. Yeah. I think, too, like, you have to think about... I love when we're on a lifting cycle, but if those lifting days fall on a different day, possibly, mm-hmm. and someone's really trying to make every day of, you know, back squatting for the next 12 weeks, helps them plan their week and be exactly. like, oh my God, my rest day is back squat day. Like, when am I going to make this up? I missed it. Yeah. Stays on track for those longer term goals. Yeah, I do like that. Mm-hmm. that. I think it was, we had squats for Monday, like every Monday was mm-hmm. squats. And then for this past lifting, we mm-hmm. had snatches on Tuesdays and clean and jerks on Fridays. Yeah, it hasn't it always been like that. Sometimes they bounced around mm-hmm. um, based on the workouts for the week. Yeah, I do like that consistency mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. It helps you make sure that you're available mm-hmm. those days. Exactly. And squatting is my favorite thing to do. So <laughs> I hate Mondays, but if there's one thing I looked forward to on Mondays, it was being able to squat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, so 
what are your personal goals for your future coaching? Do you have any? Um... Not really. I mean, I don't really see myself pursuing any like next level or taking on many more classes. I do mm -hmm. like to think that I do a good job in the classes I do coach and give those people, you know, a really good experience mm -hmm. um, that stays consistent with the coaching of the rest of the people at the gym. Gotcha. Yeah. So you like yeah. what you got going mm -hmm. on right now. That's good. And let's see. Do you, did you use any resources to learn more about coaching? Like, do you listen to podcasts on CrossFit or books, I want to say? Not really. So I, the retail job that I was in was at Lululemon, which honestly has a awesome. really great like company structure. And when I moved into a leadership position there, they provided a lot of resources on you know, how to coach different personality types and how to give feedback. And I think I brought a lot of that not only into my current job, but into coaching at the gym as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize Lulu did that. Yeah. Is Lulu, they're not specifically to CrossFit, right? No. It's more just a general they, all around. They started as a yoga brand oh, and okay. then branched out into pretty much all sports now. But Awesome. Yeah. So I like to ask this of everyone, especially the coaches. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite movement? Okay. And what is your least favorite movement? Well, I told you the ring muscle up for my favorite. Yep. Uh, my least favorite is double unders because I'm not very good at them. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts when you mess up. Yeah. 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 You slap yourself in the back. Oh, <laughs> exactly. I had welts when I first started to yeah. learn them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So dubs. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Does, is Miguel aware of that? Oh, yeah. Okay. We've. I've shed many tears over double unders. I've thrown many ropes across the room. I've done double unders in the mirror. I've mm -hmm. used different ropes. I just cannot. <laughs> so when I was learning double unders, yeah, and I was maybe in Subu for three or four months, and I was kind of getting them. Mm -hmm. So in the workout, we were doing them, and I was just tripping every single time. Mm -hmm. And Jess was coaching that day. And I grabbed the rope and I threw it across the room. And she's like, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I I yeah. think I skipped the rest of the double unders and went to the just next the exercise. Yeah, next. I was just, it was just I gave up. Mm -hmm. At the end of class, I apologized for it. And she's like, oh, no problem. But I understand the frustration. It is frustrating because there's certain things that you really like need agility or strength or flexibility for double unders is just a skill and yeah. i just cannot seem to i can do them decently but mm -hmm. it's labored and <laughs> frustrating <laughs> like i wouldn't say i can't like string some together but mm -hmm. not with the ease of some other athletes at the gym <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not not like uh, Miguel can probably just do yeah. hundred unbroken. Yeah, not even exactly. What, what's what's your number? Because I know where my number is unbroken. I can get to like sixty or seventy. That's pretty good, but that's um, like fresh, right? Yeah, it's fresh. Um, I have like some shoulder issue that really like it makes itself known in other movements, but double mm -hmm. unders like it just like 
it tires locks that up and i cannot seem to get the rope like even yeah. and you know if i'm fresh i'm usually pretty decent but depending on what it's paired with it's it's a struggle. I actually think I'm around the same. Yeah. I think maybe <laughs> 60 is my fresh. Mm -hmm. But in the middle of a workout, obviously towards the end, yeah. like getting to 30 is a struggle. Yeah. Unbroken before my shoulders are just lit on fire. Yeah. Because that's... And then some there's people, some days their, where it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Like some people's, it's their lungs mm -hmm. that they can't deal with. My lungs are usually fine on dubs. Yeah. It's my damn shoulders yeah. that get burnt out really really quick yeah and then i start to exaggerate the movement the more tired they get the more i exaggerate yeah. the movement and then i'm working them even harder yeah. so it's like a steep fall it's off just a decline yeah and then i just have to sit there and pant for like <laughs> 20 20 seconds Before then you... maybe i can get back into the dumps. yeah so they slow me down in workouts for sure yeah but having said that it's just like the echo bike for me i will choose to do them mm-hmm because I know it's my weakness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, that's just the way I am. There's only one movement that I don't like. Which and is? That I, will, I probably will always scale from now on. And that's um, box step up, box step overs, weighted, oh. double dumbbell box step overs. Yeah. Rough. And it's mostly just because I just know I'm going to blow a knee. <laughs> out coming off the end man. yeah holding those things stepping over and then coming coming down is where i'm really worried yeah. that i'm just gonna step one day and that thing's just gonna pop yeah especially in my old age <laughs> <laughs> but okay so dubs for you mm -hmm. now let's move on to uh nutrition because okay. you have a precision nutrition certificate yeah what is that yeah so it i actually um got it during covid because at the time I was in retail, so store shut down and I was like, I might as well make good use of my time. So it's a, I think it's like 10 week course, um, self-led, different modules, you get workbooks and different resources to use um, and just allows you to provide nutrition coaching. Mm -hmm. It's explicitly not any sort of dietitian or nutritionist like able to prescribe supplements or meal plans, but pretty much for stuff like in a CrossFit setting to mm -hmm. be able to help coach athletes on their day to day. So it's more geared towards athletes, not particular diets for either losing weight or if someone's allergic to something like it's not any not sort of allergic, like but like it, it is like you could do a fat loss, you know, mm -hmm. program if you wanted to. Um, I said CrossFit, but like anyone that walks into a CrossFit gym, whether you consider yourself an athlete or a competitor or not. Um, so is it more for like macros? Like it's a way to... Yeah, it's macros and it's how to, um, you know, decide what to give people in that sense. And also how to coach without macros because not everyone wants to weigh their food every day. Yeah. Um, and giving people different resources or tactics to improve their diet for fat loss, maybe for muscle gain, mm. or maybe even just to feel better overall. Got it. So did you get it and did you have any like, what'd you use it for? Did you use it for clients or did you want it for yourself at first? Maybe just to kind of... I initially just got it for myself, um, but then 
we did a sort of transformation challenge at the gym that I think was the first time I really applied the knowledge. Um, so from there I had a, it was a month long or six weeks. I'm not sure. Um, had a handful of people who stayed on afterwards as well. And then from there on and off through the years have had a couple Mm. different clients. Yeah. So what's the most important thing when thinking about dieting like i know i know this is such a loaded question (laughs) i don't even want to call it dieting yeah because well dieting implies that there's some sort of restriction which is really really toxic as someone who probably went on their first diet when they were like 13 so i think my approach is looking at big picture what your goals are and how do we get there in a sustainable way okay so you don't think we someone needs to restrict something completely right no unless you're allergic you should not be dairy-free gluten-free whatever like or sugar-free yeah anything because i have experience with that i was i was vegetarian initially because i just straight up didn't like meat But then I went vegan because in my head, going vegan meant I can't eat dairy, so I can't eat cheese, and cheese Mm -hmm. is fatty. So therefore, my calories lower just by restricting myself from cheese and eggs and butter. Um, And then I was gluten-free. And then, like, it just... You've tried it all. It was my way to rationalize cutting out an entire food group. Mm Mm-hmm which doesn't necessarily make you healthier or make you fitter or cause there's plenty of vegan or gluten-free options for quote unquote junk food as well. Yeah. So I don't impose any sort of restrictions, um, on clients or anyone who asks, I think like, or on yourself. Yeah. Right? Like no. I love bagels. I have a bagel every single day. That's awesome. I, I mean a mini bagel with my <laughs> breakfast, but like, I know that if I don't, like give in to some sort of food that makes me happy in a certain way. And my way to not eat 60 grams of carbs in the morning is to just have a mini bagel with my eggs. Mm -hmm. Still get that joy from the bread. (laughs) I've seen like thin bagels. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a whole size, but they're like, I've had those too. Yeah. You know, and I thought like, Oh, that's a pretty good (laughs) way to do it. I mean, it's full size, but you're getting like, Mm -hmm. you know, Half a third the, yeah. of the of the carbs, yeah. right? Because it's a third of the size. Yeah, yeah. But then they'll charge you the same <laughs> amount of money for that yeah. smaller bagel. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it works for them too. So, like you ta- you asked what the most important thing was, and I think, like nutrition. I don't. First of all, I think we don't know shit about nutrition. It's so different for every single person. That's like, you see those like, what I eat in a day. I think no one can be like, I'm going to eat that. And that means I'll look like so-and-so on Instagram because everyone's bodies react in different ways to food. They digest differently based on, you know, genetics, hormones, me and you, male and female, completely different. So it's so individualized. Yeah, that's, um, so social media and many ways has skewed Mm -hmm. people's perception of i want to say reality but yeah has skewed their perception of the way 
people should look. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, caused an epidemic of depression and stuff like that because they see these perfect people and they think, oh, this is the way we need yeah. to look. And they might make irrational decisions, mm-hmm. especially what they're eating. Have you experienced anyone who's like... Not directly, but like I can speak from my own experience and even like the media has always been like that. Like, you even know, with I, magazines and movies. Yeah. And so stuff. I grew up in the age of the Victoria's Secret fashion shows being the most glamorized thing on television. And, you know, when heroin chic, like celebrities were on the front page of magazines. And so, not that I ever thought I would look like that, but it does have an effect on you whether you realize it or not. Um, Especially young people. Yeah, exactly. In those like formative years, like I had no business watching the Victoria's Secret fashion show when I was like 11, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think the same thing is happening in a broader sense with, you know, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And... As much as you can tell yourself these are people's highlight reels, they're not posting the bad angles, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, posting the, you know, I don't even know. But um, it still has an effect. Yeah. And there's, now editing gets way, way better that stuff, you can't even tell if it's, it's face-tuned or Photoshopped or yeah. whatever. Or yeah. some kind of filter on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, so I know we're all different, right? Mm-hmm. And like for me, I try to gain weight. Mm-hmm. An easy way to think about it is calories in, calories out. This is mm-hmm. how I've always dealt with anything. Yeah. So if you're trying to lose weight, you take in less calories than you actually mm-hmm. put out. So it doesn't matter what you eat. Yeah. But as long as you're like, okay, if I have this donut, this donut has 400 calories. Mm-hmm. You do a mental math in your head and say, okay, I can have this today, but maybe for dinner, I kind of just cut back on the carbs yeah. a little bit. Like, is that a good way to approach it? Like, I think there's different, like, Just tiers. be conscious of what you're eating. If someone is just starting out, they've never taken a look at their diet. Uh-huh. Calories in, calories out is the perfect way to look at it because it's the easiest thing. I mean, you don't have to be so exact, but an estimate of this is how much I'm consuming in a day. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the first thing you take a look at. The next step would be, what are the quality of the calories that you're intaking? Because, you know, 2,200 calories could look a lot different based on the person and mm-hmm. what they want to fill that calorie bucket with. So I think then you start looking at what are you eating and is it supporting your your goals? Because whether you're trying to lose weight, gain weight, like you need to look at the quality of the food you're putting in your body. And, you know, the, like you said, the donut little treat here and there doesn't mean mm. that you should restrict your dinner. Yeah. But <laughs> um, if that's happening, you know, seven days a week, maybe that's something you want to take a look at. Gotcha. But yeah, I think that's where you start. And then like, quality of the calories and then from there if it's something you want to do counting mm. macros um that's kind of the next step do you think supplementation is okay 
I think most supplements are kind of bullshit. <laughs> um, so even like, like, are you talking like vitamins? Yeah, and... I, I, I want to say for more like mac for micronutrients. So let's say no, you eat your damn vegetables. What about like? Um, <laughs> green powder, like AG1 or something. Not even No, that. are you kidding me? <laughs> Hell no. Make your own smoothie and put real spinach and kale and strawberries and bananas in mm. there. I think it's a marketing scheme. I mean, in a pinch, if you've, you're like, you know, stranded on an island with no salad <laughs> drink your ag1 but it's extremely expensive for what you're getting which is mostly like sugar water gotcha yeah so you think just yeah make it i think if you're eating a fairly balanced diet you really shouldn't need a greens powder i think a protein powder is fine especially like i i was vegetarian i eat meat now mm -hmm. um but I don't eat a ton of it. So like if I don't feel like I've gotten enough protein in a, you know, a pinch, make a protein smoothie, make, you know, something like that where you're getting, actually getting those macronutrients where like, you know, AG1 is going to have, I don't know, 20 calories. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be satisfied in any sense. You're just dumping a bunch of bullshit into mm. your body. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... I I agree with you 100% mm -hmm. because also I think the things that HE1 is missing is probably going to be like fiber and stuff like that. Yeah, right? and like not like to kind of just call them out, but they're yeah. the most popular greens powder at the moment, so Yeah, exactly. So I I agree with you, but I I got to be honest, one of the hardest things for me to take. Mm -hmm. Obviously macros are pretty easy to get in. Mm -hmm. Carbs and fat are probably the easiest type mm -hmm. of macro to get. Yeah. Protein, you might have to work on that a little bit. You know, you got to be mindful to eat protein, mm -hmm. especially leaner protein. Um, but your micronutrients, not so much, mm -hmm. right? So for someone who doesn't cook all their meals mm -hmm. and eats out and finds it hard to get huge amounts of vegetables, could you supplement with green powders? It's not going to, they're not, I wouldn't put them equivalent. Like yeah. eating vegetables versus a greens powder. I still wouldn't put, I wouldn't use one as a replacement for the other. Like I'm sure there are some benefits to a greens powder mm -hmm. from a like vitamin standpoint, but you can also take a multivitamin that's extremely like, it's way less expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's not worth it. But money. no, I think that, you know, actually chewing on a vegetable <laughs> is not the same thing as the greens powder. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I'm You're trying, trying to rationalize. I'm your trying own to rationalize choices. because hopefully, sometime in the future, I'd be okay with uh, HE1 sponsorship or something. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't want this to come back and hit me in the butt later and be like, he was talking shit about AG1. So hopefully. No, only his guest was. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I did the. Uh, coaching with Nina mm -hmm. and I kind of like how she did it mm -hmm. um, I think she might have had the same certification she as does you. yeah okay so she was more like you don't have to measure mm -hmm. too much you know just record what you eat and be mindful mm -hmm. of what you eat yeah and also honestly a really good one is just try to cook your own food 
Yeah. As simple as that. Just make your own food at home, you know, quality wise can be a lot better. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of liked her approach where she was just like, just record what you eat. And as long as you're mindful of what you eat, mm -hmm. you'll end up eating yeah. much better than if you were just like, I'm going to stop buying McDonald's on the way yeah. home or something like that. And yeah. this is where I have a problem because to me, working out is immensely easier. It's easier for me to make it to the gym every day, mostly because I love it too, than it is to eat the right things. Mm -hmm. And I find myself eating like crap all the time, eating out way too much. Mm -hmm. And I can blame it on time. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's a couple things, but I think like if you're looking for physical changes, like it is, it is food. Mm -hmm. Like the workouts help, but it's mostly food. Um, and I think I like what you said about mindfulness too and just being mindful of your choices and it doesn't have to be some like weighing everything down to the gram um cooking at home knowing what goes into your food exactly really really yeah. helps i will say like when you're eating out though don't don't hesitate to ask if they can mm -hmm. substitute something yeah just the worst that can happen is they say no and just ask hey is there any other option as a side can yeah. you know can you do this with, you know, yeah, chicken instead of beef? Yeah, or... can I get a salad instead of fries? Yeah, you know, or something exactly. Like that. It doesn't hurt to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So being mindful of cooking at home. Mm -hmm. And then... Um... I would also say, like, don't try and change. Just like we were talking about with snatching. Like, don't try and change everything at once. Start with, if your goal is to get more protein... Focus on that for three or four weeks and then move on to, I don't know. Like? Yeah, getting a vegetable in at two out of your three meals of the day. Mm -hmm. um, but don't try and, like, you know, cut your fat in half and, like, cook all your meals when you haven't yeah. cooked any before. Like, it's just like a, your fitness journey. It's going to be a little bit slower. And the changes aren't, like, you're not going to eat a good meal at night and wake up and be like, oh my God, I'm so fit and skinny. Like yeah. <laughs> it's going to take time. Yeah. And yeah. And you don't want to like do a drastic change mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. Because, know, because that's what, like we talked about restricting is if you just kind of like upheave your entire diet and something like I'm not going to eat dairy or I'm going to eat like low fat. It just, it builds and builds and builds until you're like, Oh my god, I need it. It's like an it's it's an almost addictive. So mm -hmm. like those small changes that you can support in your day to day are super important. Yeah, I do agree that if you deprive yourself of something, you'll crave it even mm -hmm. more. To the point where you might relapse and then yeah. if you're too hard on yourself for like having that piece of cheesecake. Yeah. You know. Then you're be, just oh, going to spiral. Spiral which back down. I've been a part of that cycle of just being so healthy and eating so mm -hmm. clean for you know maybe i make it like two weeks and then all of a sudden it's like open season on the chip yeah aisle you know so incorporating those foods that do make you happy and do bring you joy even if they aren't healthy mm -hmm. into your day-to-day -day so that they don't become 
this glaring like you know no food like yeah. restriction like i can't have that because you can mm-hmm. you're not allergic to doritos <laughs> but like restricting those rather than treating yourself to a handful mm-hmm. once or twice a week just is a recipe for disaster so in a in a previous podcast we had talked about relationships and mm-hmm. how people always want the thing they can't have mm-hmm. right so the person they can't have or the person they're trying to you know it's like we're attracted to the person that says no to us mm-hmm. i think something similar can happen with food and the reason for that is like if it's a person you're getting little dopamine hits trying to chase it's like a prize right mm-hmm. and you get these little dopamine hits and i feel like with food it could be the same thing if you deprive yourself on it you're going to want it even more because we're just wired to want what we can't have yeah i mean but if you can have it if you tell yourself okay you can have a bagel you know whenever you want just make it smaller Mm -hmm. smaller portions then you won't have that urge to like just go all out you know and splurge on a bagel or milkshake or whatever exactly what i was thinking is like I feel like one big binge moment making mm-hmm. you feel like shit well, is going to be worse than like if you eat that thing portioned out every day. Even if the yeah. binge is less in total. Yeah. You know, so let's say you have, it's hard to make it with a bagel because, but let's say you have one bagel, mm-hmm. right? Every morning, but it's a small or skinny bagel or the mini bagel. It doesn't ha- it even have to be though. Like if you want a bagel every morning, you should just have it. Eat a bagel. I don't eat it because it makes me sleepy, and I want to, <laughs> and I need to like go work. Uh-huh. But like if you want a freaking bagel every morning, eat a bagel. But just know the impact that that has on whatever your goals are. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna eat a bagel every morning and then you know maybe not eat as many carbs at lunch or dinner, that's fine. Maybe you still eat those carbs at lunch or dinner. Like mm-hmm. it really. So you're saying you just can't... depends on your goals. Yeah. If you're so let's say it is to lose weight though. Mm-hmm. Like if your goal is to lose weight, you have to put some kind of parameters. Yeah. Parameters together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like that's why the mindfulness comes in. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have the bagel, you know, at breakfast, and then you had pasta at lunch. Yeah. Maybe for dinner you just have a meat and a salad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even do this because I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to prep for beach. Uh, the Subaru Beach oh, Party. Oh, yeah. So I call, yeah. It, I call it beach now. Did you watch Barbie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, My job is beach. My job is beach. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now I got to get ready the beach. Yeah. And so I have been cutting carbs for dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily for me, I have a fast metabolism mm-hmm. and it doesn't take long for me to cut. Yeah. So I don't have to go through arduous, yeah. you know, depleting calories and cutting out everything. I can yeah. just change a little few things, work out a little extra hard, and I can lose weight pretty quick. Um, but when I'm not trying to do that, I'm trying to gain weight. And that's mm-hmm. that's the hard thing for me is to gain mass. Mm-hmm. But um, So now I thought, now I lost my train of thought. Where was I going <laughs> with that? Um we got to bring it back to uh, the binge eating. Okay. okay. Or the binge moment. That's where I'm going. So 
if you have one bagel every day, mm-hmm. it would be better than, let's say, if someone, you said, okay, I'm not going to eat a bagel at all. But then a week, two weeks go by and you start getting the cravings because you're not mm-hmm. eating enough carbs. That one day you just go to Cheesecake four, four Factory bagels. and you eat a huge pasta and this and yeah. that. Like, I feel like one huge nasty meal that leaves you feeling terrible mm-hmm. could is worse than if you did give yourself the everyday little moments yeah. to have that thing to where you won't crave just one yeah. binge day where you go out and have big, huge Alfredo pasta with, yeah. you know, a cheesecake at the end of it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, how psychological nutrition is. And mm. especially, like, you're talking from your own experience. I won't say that men don't have emotional attachments to food. But it is much more common for women to have an emotional relationship with food and with their bodies. So if it was just as easy as eat this, Mm -hmm. like give someone a plan of eat, this is your macros, it would be, everyone would look exactly how they wanted to look. I see. But that psychological component of like, as a former recovering, sometimes even current binge eater, like you don't really like you're something takes over your mind. That's it's you can't even explain it. And it's like when someone says, well, why don't why don't you just stop? It's not like it's that. Not like that yeah. No. And it's much deeper than just eat this, not that. Yeah. I actually know someone who has told me that she has an issue. Binge with- eating? with food as well yeah. well she her relationship with food is a little bit tumultuous yeah you know and it's as you know i told you i've recovered from an eating disorder in the past i still deal with a relationship with my own body and food that i've worked really really hard on and mm-hmm. it does take work to backtrack those habits and those you know, whatever you're being fed by the media. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in the time where no one knew anything about nutrition. Like every, I would th- grow, grew up in like the low fat craze yeah. and the hundred calorie packs. Yep. And, you this know, was during the nineties, like, early yeah, 2000s. so late nineties, early two thousands. And so that has an impact on how you look at what you're putting in your body today and what your relationship with your body is like Mm -hmm. um and i think it takes work whether you're doing it yourself whether you're using a professional whether you know you confide in someone i think it's a journey and i don't think like i can't i can only speak from my experience but i don't think that will ever go away Mm -hmm. like it's really like it's a struggle to look at something and i'll be like i wonder how many carbs are in that you're constantly like, thinking that yeah, whenever you look at it. Yeah, and I have anything. to like you have to stop those thoughts, and that's what where the work is is to just mm-hmm. stop and like ride this fine line in between, you know, food freedom per se and extremely restrictive calorie counting. Got it. Yeah. First of all, knowing that you have that issue and constantly trying to do something about it Mm -hmm. that's good yeah that's a good thing because a lot of people could just give in Mm -hmm. and then not eat very well and 
mm-hmm. gain health issues because of yeah. that. So it's good that you know this and mm-hmm. you're doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know because no one would look at you mm-hmm. or even this other friend of mine. You can look at them and be like, they are super fit. They do CrossFit. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that they would have these you know, yeah. issues with food yeah. until you actually l- learn about it. So I think people should know that just because you look a certain way doesn't yeah. mean you're not dealing yeah. with and a certain I- issue. You know, and that's just for food. I mean, this can go for everything. It can go for depression. It can go yeah. for a lot of things. Yeah. So, number one and thing is don't assume, basically. Yeah, I think don't assume that someone... Don't assume someone's experience. Um goes the same for, you know, body image, body dysmorphia. Like, just because someone looks a certain way, is a certain weight, doesn't mean that they are, you know, happy and satisfied and, mm-hmm. you know don't have an eating disorder. You can be big, small, tall, whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on in someone's head. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something we have to remind ourselves of mm-hmm. because I think most people know, mm-hmm. but you need to remind yourself before, you know, you say something to someone, even if you think that their life is perfect or yeah. they, they look different. You never know them. what's going to trigger someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Until you actually trigger them, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh shit!" And yeah, no. <laughs> which is also not bad. Yeah. You know, like you don't walk on eggshells, but also, mm-hmm. you know, be mindful of what you say. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think most of us, I think most of us are. But like I said, you gotta remind yourself. So I mm-hmm. have to remind myself sometimes. I say things sometimes, and this comes back to my issues with social anxiety. I'll say mm-hmm. something, and then later on, be like. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think to myself, damn, that was stupid. Or you. And then you you're playing wrong. out, what if I said this and the situation exactly. would have gone so different? So different. <laughs> and you just, uh, you're sitting there in bed, laying yeah. there, not being able to sleep because of this. But I have to remind myself, honestly, no one's thinking about that mm-hmm. except you. Everyone's thinking about themselves. Everyone's thinking everyone's about themselves. Sitting in mm-hmm. bed doing the same thing about what they said. But you're not sitting there wondering about what they what said. What they did. Exactly. Yeah. So when you feel like, when you get that, that's an empowering mm-hmm. moment where you're just like, oh, no one gives yeah. a shit. <laughs> it's like, you know, to relate this all back to the gym and body image and stuff, it's like, I used to be scared to take my shirt off at the gym if I didn't feel a certain way that day. But you have to realize, like, no one cares. They're not thinking about you. <laughs> like, they're worried about they're themselves. They're looking at themselves. <laughs> so it's like, if it's hot and I'm sweaty... It's coming off. <laughs> As about, there's probably a good chunk of people that probably look at you and are like, damn, I wish I looked like that. <laughs> so you tell yourself that and it's, it's kind of okay. Yeah. But okay. Well, this was fun. Thanks for coming on, Maddie. Yeah. Thanks for having me.